Hey, chaps. Happy Monday. What a time to be alive. Praise God for it. So I uh, hope you all had a, a good weekend. I uh, went and picked up my half beef uh, today. It was wonderful. We found a, a butcher. Rob, welcome, brother. Found a butcher about uh, 40 minutes away. Uh, he's got his own little homestead. Um, and he, uh, so it wasn't his cow, but he obviously threw his, he's quite a networked guy in the local food, food chain. And, uh, so he found a half beef and heard that we would, were looking DVG. Welcome brother. So, uh, before we went and picked up our meat today, we went and uh, had a look at his, his homestead and it was really sweet. He's got a little, like two, three bedroom home on a, like a half acre and he's, um, he's got four or five hogs he's got 30 chickens he's got a milk cow and a little steer um and obviously veg beds and stuff and like the dude has just maxed out his like little his little plot of land um and it's just phenomenal it's like this is this guy's living the dream so it was really great uh good to to meet the guy and uh i think just uh it's encouraging when you when you see guys who are further down the line than you are as far as uh you know the whole local food system and uh and you know, raising a family on a homestead and uh, building a home economy and all that. So that was really exciting, and uh, pumped to have meat in the freezer. Um, so I'll post some post some sweet photos of that later on Twitter. And then I downloaded my Twitter archive, which I highly recommend. Uh, if you guys have got any sweet thoughts um, that you like to, you know, if you use Twitter as like a journal or a thought processor, for them to uh, to ban you. Man, it must be quite quite a lot of intellectual property that just. So I figured out some some wise person uh, said you could download your archive. So in your settings, download the archive, and then take like a day or two to to zip it all up, and then you can just download it, and there's your archive. So that's pretty cool. Um, so I've gone ahead and done that. No fear of the banning, Yishi. But so, chaps, I was really thinking, you know, on the weekend, I follow, uh, I follow, you know, obviously, I grew up playing rugby. Rugby is the, the sport we all uh, grew up on and dreamt about in South Africa. And um, I, uh, I watch a lot of English rugby. There's an English premiership with 12 clubs that play in a league. Um, and so every, you know, Sunday, I'll binge all the YouTube highlight videos of all the weekend's matches. And it just got me thinking, you know, I, this season, I haven't really kept tabs with the league or like, you know, I'm, I'm not like an all out, like, oh, follow a team and like all this stuff. It's like, no, I like watching it from a coach's perspective. I like to see what, what the pros are doing. And, uh, and I enjoy a good, I enjoy good strategy and good tactics and, and, you know, seeing, seeing the patterns and all that kind of stuff. So that's my, my way of watching it. But, uh, you know, so it's now getting to the end of the season. They've got like three or four games left in the league. And for the first time this season, I saw the league table and I was like, wow, like the teams that I thought would be at the top uh, compared to the teams that are at the bottom. And like, it's really fascinating to see without knowing, you know, and keeping tabs and everything. And it just got me thinking, you know, my, one of my joys is taking underperforming teams um, and getting them to win. And so I was really thinking, I was like, you know, like, and, you know, if the West was at peace, and the world was all as it should be, and the clowns were not clowning around, I would probably be coaching rugby as a professional rugby coach somewhere. Like, this would be my dream gig, you know, just, just coaching rugby, 
and um, and really it the joy for me in coaching rugby is taking yeah, a mediocre or an or a underperforming team and getting them high performing getting them winning and you know so it got me thinking like wow like if I was coaching you know I'd love to take one of these lower or mid table teams and get them winning and you know obviously you start thinking about all the strategy and you start thinking about the systems that you bring in and and you know how you would coach these guys because obviously the fact that they're lower table or you know lower table team it means that their talent is not as good as the top t- tier team you know the top table team or so you would think you know oh it's just a talent thing you know and, and it's the same in life you know a lot of people are like the guys who are performing at the top of their fields at the top of their domains it's like oh it's a talent thing you know and so often it's not a talent thing it's a system or a desperation or an intensity or a work rate thing you know so when i look at rugby i I break it into three parts talent you know that's what the kids have and you can you know i suppose for a lot of guys would look at that as the intelligence side of things in in life like you're not really going to change it much you can you can uh you can sharpen it but you can't change it then there's systems you know what are the systems we use what are the patterns we run what are the tactics we use what are the strategies we follow? And then, um, and, and how do we operate in scenarios? What are the, what are the response, the, the, the conditioned responses? We, we condition ourselves, the habits to respond to in certain scenarios. And then third is work rate or intensity. Um, you know, how much work rate are you going to apply to your talent? How much work rate are you going to apply to the system? And that often sets teams apart, sets people apart uh, of lower talent. Uh, but they have a higher work rate and a better system. And so they win. And I, I really got thinking, you know, a lot on this thing of work rate. And a lot of guys, you know, especially the Delta, the, the steady, hardworking guys, like, yeah, that's my superpower. It comes naturally to me. I grind. I work hard. It's what I do. You know, but for the rest of the guys, you know, you can, you can change that and, and call it intensity. You know, some guys are able to be intense uh, at the things that matters. And when you can be intense... At, at the thing that matters at the right time, it's like, okay, that's how you, you, you achieve, you know? And it really got me, it got me thinking of another synonym, desperation. How desperate are you? You know, this is what got me thinking about it. I was like, if you take a mid-level team or a lower level team and you're like, all right, guys, our goal for this season is just to finish, you know, if you're a, 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 a bottom two or three team, our goal this year, guys, is just to finish mid-table. You know, let, let's let's go, you know, we're, we're in 10th place. Let's finish in 6th place. You know, and a lot of guys would be like, yeah, yeah, that's a great, that's a great goal. It's achievable, blah, blah, blah. You know, and they'd be like, yeah, great, great, great. And then these guys are just low energy. It's like, it's not a goal that arouses desperation. You know, uh, Nacho Libre, when, when Nacho is talking to Escalator and he says, You've got to taste the glory. Do you not want to taste it? Do you not want to touch the glory? That's what we've got to, that's what arouses desperation. You know, when you take a bottom, a bottom two or three team, you know, and you say to the guys like, look, chaps, what would it look like for us to win the league next year? You know, and you'd bring up testimony, right? You'd bring up positive testimony of, of teams in all different sorts of leagues that no one ever gave a shot that no one ever gave a, a second thought to even coming in the top half of the table who win the league, 
right? So you give that testimony and the guy's like, yeah, maybe that could be us. Maybe that could be us. And they can see it. They can taste it. You know, and then you say to them, like, what are all the things that would happen if we won the league? You know, you'd get positive press, all these stories that get written about you. And you bring up testimony. You, you take all these stories of all these teams who've had these miracle seasons, you know, and all these players who've had these, oh, he was a nobody. He was a, a forgotten player. He was a, a, a you know, a, he was done with his career. And, oh, look at him now. You know, you bring up all these stories. And again, you get the guys to, to taste it, to touch it, to feel the glory. You know, and you start arising, arousing in them a vision that's not just, oh, mediocre. That's not just like, oh, yeah, a little bit better. It's like, no, like you've got to arouse. Like, why are you going to sacrifice? Why are you going to get, go all out just to finish mid-table? You're going for the win. You're going for glory, you know? And so that really was a big thing for me. I was like, wow, you know, when you apply this to life, you know, so obviously in, in, in sports, you know, sports are a great tool, a great masculine uh, all-male space, a great masculine character builder, a great uh, fraternity builder, you know, blood sports, especially great for teaching fearlessness and courage, humility, all of that stuff. But they're also a great metaphor for us in life because we understand pictures. One of the things I was thinking of for ourselves, you know, we are often the underdogs. We see ourselves especially if we have an, an insecurity around our gift, around our contribution, around our domain. We see ourselves as underdogs. We see ourselves as mid-table guys or low-table guys even, you know, of whatever your, you know, if you can think of your domain, what is what does winning the league look like in your domain? You know, and we need to set those goals for ourselves. We need to be like, what does it look like for me to win you know, in the domain of governance or the domain of media or the domain of economy or the domain of ministry. What does, and it's, it's different for everyone. So we have to, we have to define this for ourselves. What does it look like to win the league in my domain? You know? And so obviously for, for a guy like Donald, his league, he's in the big leagues, you know, compared to a guy like me, but we can both get the same juice out of our, what does winning the league look like for us? You know? DVG, rugby, but you could be good at theater too. You know, I actually, I was considering going to theater school uh, after high school, but rugby seemed the more happier place. Rob, losers always whine about their best. Winners go home and F the prom queen. Well, well, well. That's it. You know, it's, it's this whole thing of, of identity. You know, losers have an identity. I'll try. I'll do my best. I'll, you know, hope. Let's hope. You know, whereas winners, like, yeah, I'm a winner. I go and do stuff. And even when they lose, it's a reframe. It's like, all right, learn, learn a bunch. Let's let's pick it up and go go again. And so, so this whole thing for us with with domain, we don't have a definition of winning, and so. Two things. Either we don't have a definition of, of what it looks like to win. And so we just kind of cruise through life. You know, no one likes to go, you know, with this whole pandemic crap. Uh, the rugby team I helped coach the last couple of years, the guys couldn't play any matches. And so they're going to practice week in and week out, but with no matches. Like there's no, there's no measure of winning, you know, and it becomes hard, like hats off to the guys, but it becomes hard to keep showing up every week if there's no measure, if there's no 
scoreboard of why are we doing this? You know, are we good? Are we actually contributing? Are we achieving great things? And so for us in our domains, you know, we need to start looking at what does success look like? What does winning look like? And it can, you know, one of the biggest things again is testimony, right? You pull out stories of other people who have gone ahead, other people who have done this before, other people who have uh, won in this domain. And it's good to be like, what is it I liked about their story? What is it, you know, what are their metrics for success? What were their goals? What were their strategies and tools and systems? It's great to look at these guys and be like, man, is that a good metric, you know, for me? And then the, the other thing there is, you know, so the first thing is a lot of guys don't know what it's like to win. And so they do, or they don't know what the win is. So they just coast around. The second is they have such a high bar uh, of winning, you know, winning looks like Donald, you know, like Donald, it, we're reading it. My wife and I were reading a book this, this week. And the guy was talking about how so many people, he was talking about a, a, a wealth mindset, right? And he was talking about saying a lot of guys, when you say to them, what do you want to earn this year? You know, most people's mindset is set at 50,000, 100,000, 200,000, 300,000. And he's like, we've got to challenge ourselves to stretch our mindset of what we think we should be earning or, or building or contributing or, or um, making in a year. You know, so that's what he's talking about. And he gave a great illustration. He says, for a lot of people, a million, if you have a, $100,000 mindset and you only earn 50, it's like you're a failure. You feel like a failure. And he's like, if you have a millionaire um, thermometer, thermostat, and you only make 500,000, you're a failure. But to the 100,000 guy, it's like, whoa, 500,000, you know? And so he says about Donald Trump, he's like, Donald Trump's thermostat is set for billions. You know, so if, if Donald only made a million bucks this year, he would feel like an abject and utter failure. But likewise, there are guys whose thermostats or at least their, their vision is set for, you know, millions of bucks. And it's like, dude, you're earning 30 grand. You know, that's your, that's your, the last two, three years, your average has been 30 grand. And you're setting for yourself the bar of success at a million. And you're never, you're, it's like, you're, you're, you're a failure. You're a living failure because your, your league, you're out of your league. And you're putting yourself to those, uh, to those that condemnation and that failure. So, so two things: number one, not knowing what your win is, and number two, not understanding your league, not understanding what is uncomfortable for you. You know what is reality, and then how do we go? Because that's the next thing: is like, oh well, just be happy where you are. It's like, no, no, no. Still go for more. Still go for higher. Still push and and have a a risk. You know, take a risk. Be uncomfortable, right? But don't it's that whole thing I say of like, what does it look like to go have an adventure? It's like, yeah, paddle down 30 Ks of river with a bunch of friends and spend a couple nights on the bank. Like it's pretty uncomfortable, you know, to, to, to make that sacrifice of clear schedule, pay the money, travel the thing, do the stuff like, but it's doable. You're like, yeah, I could do that. But if you say, take a, a raft across the Pacific ocean for six months, it's like, that is crazy. That's out. That's so far beyond what is, achievable by me even you know what's comfortable comfortable is sitting at home on my couch going beyond comfortable is like yeah i could go on a little on a little canoe trip on the weekend you know and so we need to apply that to our domain do you have a metric for winning and make sure that you understand your league and go just you know how what is my league can i win my league
you know, and then you can get promoted into a higher league. But so, so with that, another thing I was thinking on, one of my favorite things on coaching, a lot of guys, you know, in lower, lower league teams are overlooked because their talent doesn't fit conventional systems, right? The most talented guys get sucked up, get drafted up, get picked by the conventional big teams who play a conventional system, a conventional tactics, right? And they thrive there and they do their thing, which means all the other guys who are still talented, right? They're still in the game. They're still in the league. They're still in the door, but, but they have an unconventional talent. And so they need an unconventional system, right? And when I, when I talk about unconventional, the biggest thing here is uncomfortable. You know, some of the innovations strategically, when I, when I coach rugby, it's uncomfortable because they're risky, right? It's risky to do the things. And it's like, well, you've got nothing to lose anyway. We're not winning anyway. So let's try the risk. Let's try the risky thing or the uncomfortable thing. And how desperate are you to win? How desperate are you to try uncomfortable things? You know, the, the second thing is people don't want to look stupid, right? It's pride, you know? So it's like, well, the, the big teams, the best teams, the most successful guys, the big guys, they use this system. And it's like, yeah, we're not going to use that system. And it's like, but then people will think we're stupid and we don't coach good and we don't play good or we don't, you know, it's like, no, you cannot go toe to toe with the conventional system with unconventional talent. It's like, we have to go risky. We have to go un, un, uncomfortable and do some uncomfortable things and swallow your pride. And then actually you'll find some momentum. Rob, it's important to visualize success to manifest goals. It's important to make goals achievable. Don't be a Walter Mitty. Yeah. You go to war with the army you have, not the army you might want or wish to have at a later time. Rami. Yeah. You know, and that's the great thing, you know, a lot of guys, you know, we wish I could have this skill set. We wish I could, you know, and like, you know, you read these things of like guys who are like, yeah, I read six books a day. I went and gymmed six hours a day. I went and ate six raw eggs a day. Uh, and now I'm just a machine. You know, it's like, yeah, good for you, dude. Like that's part of your talent stack. You know, so much of this habit. Yes, we can change habits. Yes, we can change systems. Yes, we can change work rate. But you can't really change talent. You know, you can't change your inherent uh, personality, your inherent um, floating towards certain things. You know, so like some guys are resolve guys. Some guys are high energy guys. You know, some guys are practical guys. Some guys are conceptual guys. You know, and when you start wishing you were the other thing, you, you start missing out on your unconventional talent. It's like, oh, I can't, I can't wire a plug or fix a car. You know, and it's like, well, I'm going to go spend 10 hours a week learning how to do the thing. And it's like, which is great. It's great to, to learn your skills and be well-rounded. But it's like, wait, if I'm a conceptual guy and not a practical guy, what are the value points here? And you're far better suited spending 10 hours a week figuring out how to, how to make value with your conceptual talent than trying to round yourself into a practical talent or vice versa. And so, you know, same with all of our, our, our unconventional talents. So when it comes to when it comes to our personal lives, you know, I was thinking about it with with church and culture and tribe. With uh, with our biggest issue right now, civilization wise, church wise, tribe wise, is we are trying to fight the culture war on a conventional basis. You know, so our our enemies, our cultural enemies, have taken over the institutions. They've taken over the operators. 
They've taken over uh, the cultural generators, you know, the things that generate culture. They now own. They own the institutions, right? We're now trying to fight them on that institutional level. We're like, oh, man, they're, they've got, you know, this thing. Well, let's fight them on it. It's like, no, guys, we have to get unconventional. We have to get uncomfortable. We have to start taking a few risks, making a few sacrifices in an unconventional way, right? And right now, when you look at that, that what is that unconventional way? It's living against the culture, you know? So, for instance, it's like with all these kids being on, on drugs, with all these uh, young guys coming out and being in despair and deaths of despair and, uh, you know, drug opioid abuse, uh, you know, all this like cultural enslavement and entrapment and crap, you know, broken families, broken children. Um, it's like, okay, guys, something's not working. We got it, you know, stop, you know, doing the same thing. You're going to get carry on getting the same crap. So it's like, we need to change a system. And this is where that, that unconventional, the pride comes up, right? Cause like, if you start telling people at church, like, Hey, your children are being propagandized in a prison camp. Uh, and being sexually abused and are, uh, <clears throat> you know, just being absolutely dominated. You're losing. You are losing this league, you know. So if you say to them, okay, well, what's the solution? The solution is mom needs to quit her job and come home and homeschool the kids, you know. They'll be like, yeah, you know, I can see how that strategy would work, but it's too uncomfortable. Or like, yeah, you know, it's a bit too risky. You know, what if the kids turn out dorky? Uh, what if my wife can't get back into her career? Like, you know, all these like crazy little pride things that, that are like, oh, no, no, no I, I can't do it. It's too hard, you know? And it all comes down to this, a lack of desperation because they haven't tasted the glory. They don't have a vision for what cultural success is. Cultural success is your daughter not getting banged by 400 dudes at college and going into 100 grand in debt and having five abortions and then losing her faith and now you're raising her grandchildren who you don't even know the father. Like that's the downside of not having a vision. You know, that's a negative vision, which you can run away from if you want. Like, are you desperate enough now to bring your daughter home and not send her to college? You know, and, and likewise, it's like, okay, what's the positive vision? The positive vision is my son grows up with skills and he's, he's valuable and he's integrous uh, he gets married to a, a, a lady who he's got good discernment as a nice girl. They have many children. And now 10, 20 years down the line, you've got 60 grandchildren. And they're all a pleasure and disciplined and love the Lord. And it's like, that's, you've got to taste that glory. You've got to pull cultural, you've got to pull a positive vision for culture. You know, that's why we've got to look at the Amish. Wow, positive vision. You've got to look at the Mormons. Wow, positive vision. You know, you've got to look at, any tribal cultural wholesomeness and pull the testimony out, pull the vision out. There's a positive vision. Can you taste it? Can you see it? Can you feel it? You know, we've got to feel it. And that's when the desperation comes in. That's when the desperation of like, oh my gosh, I want that. Well, are you, is your wife willing to quit her job? How desperate are you? You know, well, are you willing to move? How desperate are you? Are you willing to pull your kids out of school and look like a homeschool freak? How desperate are you? You know, and it's like, are you willing to stop eating uh, their corn and soy and sugar crap? You know, and look like a freak when you don't go to McDonald's anymore and you don't, you don't, you know, you go and find a local butcher and 
pay him cash for beef. And it's like, how desperate are you? You know, it's, it's all this thing of like, there's, there's so much conventional systemized thinking that doesn't work because our enemy is the top player. They are the top player in conventional warfare, conventional lawfare, conventional culture fair. Like they are crushing conventionally. It's like, right, chaps, we've got unconventional talents, unconventional system, and, and we're desperate. We're desperate to win. We're desperate to taste the glory. We're desperate to avoid hell. You know, and that's where it's like, it's that whole thing. I was reading a book and the guy was saying, uh, you know, a lot of people, they want to change. You know, it would be nice to change. It would be nice to have a six pack. It would nice be nice to be wealthy and nice to blah, 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 whatever your visions are. But the guy was saying like, until you, until there's pain, you're not really going to move. You know, it's that whole thing of like, it's not painful enough. So I'll just sit here. You know, it's like, guys, there's got to be desperation for the positive vision. You know, you've got to attach it. And that's what I was saying with, I was really thinking about it this way. You know, there's, there's some low, low level teams. I'm sure you guys experienced this when you played sports in high school or, or you watch whatever sports you like to watch. If you're playing the bad or the poor, the, the, the low team, it's hard for your guys to get desperate because they're like, we're playing, we're playing poor opposition. What's the, like, we're just going to mail it in, you know, low energy. You've got to connect the everyday low things that have no importance. You've got to connect that to the glory, to the vision, you know? And so you say to these guys, it's like, chaps, this is not just, you know, mail it in, take the bus ride there, sort it out, take the bus ride home. This is attached to winning the league. If you guys don't win this match, we don't win the league. If you guys lose this match, the news writes bad articles about you. If you don't win this match, you guys, you, you know, you've got to make a pain point. You've got to attach it to your glory point. Like it's not just a mundane thing, you know? And so often for us as well, it's like, well, you know, I'm just going to coast through my life, you know, have my job, make my money, enjoy my TV, uh, send my kids to public school. And it's like, you're just mailing it in because you, you don't think the opposition's any good. You know, you think if I do this, I'm doing enough, you know, it's like, we need to understand what victory looks like. And then every part of our life plays into victory. Every part of our life plays into glory. You know, that's when things start becoming, and not desperation out of fear, not desperation out of insecurity. Desperation of like, I will do anything to achieve this. I will put my life on the line to achieve this. That's the desperation that, that comes through when you have a positive vision and you can taste the glory. And so I was just thinking of that, you know, with church of like, you know, people like, oh, you know, I love, I love Jay Rubin Clark's Twitter thread on, on girls getting married, you know, where he was, he was talking about like girls are, are struggling to get married. It's because you're overweight, you know? And he said, how desperate are you? Are you desperate enough to quit your job, quit college, quit your mission trip, whatever, and work for six months uh, to go on a diet, work out, get in the sun and get fit. How desperate are you to achieve the thing that you really want to achieve, which is marriage, you know? And so for us as guys, like you start asking this question, you know, Lord, what does tribal, what does tribal success look like? And it looks like a bunch of, of guys crushing in their domains, 
knowing who their brothers are, knowing who their in-group is. Uh, and, and so it's like, okay, there's, there's simple, not obvious, but simple uh, things to crushing. And it's like, it comes down to your domain. We need as many high status, honorable men who eventually at some point there will be a stock in-group moment. But for now, it's all just little online in-group, which is fine. But in the meantime, like we need to be crushing in our domains. We need to be absolutely contributing our gift to a team of great men attempting great things. You know, and that's why I always bring it back to what is my domain? What is my domain? What is my domain? Because it, it, it's that whole thing of like a, a, an overweight woman who is not married is like an insecure man who has no mission. You know, so for the woman, how desperate are you? How desperate are you to be married? Because then you'll do anything, right? Same with us as men. How desperate are we to be men of mission? to be men on purpose, to be high honorable men, to be contributing our gift, to be just absolutely tasting the glory in our domain, to the glory of God, you know? And it's like, because then you'll start doing stuff. Then you'll start sacrificing. Then you'll just, you'll, you'll, you'll cut through the crap, cut through the fear of man, cut through the fear of approval, cut through the, the comfort and all of that stuff. DVG, women often try to whine and cry their way into keeping their husbands faithful rather than keeping the home and bedroom interesting. Yeah. You know, it's what's your value point, you know, control, control is, it's a post, you know, you create value. Oh, now we need to control it. It's like, no, 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 keep, keep creating value. Whining isn't real desperation. Desperate housewives. Yeah. That's kind of a, it's kind of a weird, weird thing there, but that's it, you know, and, and I'm really just encouraged for us, you know, with this, this whole this whole freedom from domain of ministry is no longer the domain that we have to crush at ministry is no longer. And, and for obviously for some of you guys, ministry is that domain ministry is your obvious calling. It's your obvious crush zone. Uh, you know, there go hard. But for the rest of us, it's like, man, this is so freeing, you know, stop, stop putting all your energy into trying to uh, attain what is not a winnable league. What is not even, there is no prize there for you. It's like your prize is in the other domains, figure it out. And let's go hard. You know, let's go absolutely hard at that. And then when it comes to the underdog, it's like if you feel, um, you know, for a lot of us uh, Anglo Christian men, we are the underdog because we're not, the gatekeepers don't like us. The culture doesn't like us. So we don't fight conventionally. You don't crush, you know, if you are crushing conventionally, more power to you, man. You know, top tier talent, just absolutely steamrolling. But for those of us who, who, you know, have a more unconventional uh, talent or, or, you know, aren't hitting uh, our stride, the conventional route, it's like, start looking for unconventional things, you know? So, so for the last 50 years, the conventional route is go to a big company uh, and work for them for 50 years, get a pension and a gold watch. That's the conventional route for, for a lot of guys. And it's like, okay. Let's, let's look at something different. You know, are we going to learn a trade and start our own business? Are we going to find products and sell products? Are we going to uh, find what, a way to monetize our gift? Are we going to um, figure out how to leverage our insane, unconventional strengths in maybe perhaps more risky or more uncomfortable uh, ways? You know, same with, with media, you know, start a studio and, you know, build a, a media house and, you know, be credible 
and wear the suit and, you know, try and play at the table with the big dogs. And it's like, now it's like, no, no, no. Like, have you got a cell phone? Like you're a media man now. Now it's do the work. What is your talent? You know, if you're a fearless guy, are you going in journal, you know, being a journalist on the streets? You know, if it's, if your talent is being a teacher, instead of going and being a teacher at a school and work for 30 years and blah, blah, blah. It's like, you can start selling your expertise online, you know, through online teaching or making courses or inf information products for kids to download or, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's like, there's so many different ways now, so many unconventional ways to harvest your talents, you know, and then in, in the governance domain, you know, again, it's like, what is the conventional way is join the party and work your way up the party and, you know, party lines and da, 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 all that, you know, what are all the conventional ways? Whereas now it's like, it's punch someone figuratively punch someone in the mouth, be truthful, come out bold and don't apologize. And it's like, who is this guy? He's amazing. And it's like, no, it's just a guy who tells the truth and doesn't cave, which unconventional politics doesn't do. So it's just a really interesting thing, you know, across all, across all these domains, how can I leverage my unconventional strengths, talents, gifting in unconventional ways that may be uncomfortable and require a bit of humility or require a bit of uh, desperation? You know, how desperate are you to, to innovate or to, to change things uh, up from, from what they've been, you know? So yeah, Jeff's just a, a short one. A short one for us on a Monday evening. I'm uh, excited. Got a good week ahead, um, especially with a, a freezer full of meat. Wondering if I've got any uh, other things I wrote down for today. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for us there is, is just to recap, too long didn't watch. Just to recap for us is make sure that we actually have a vision. Uh, for glory that we're not just a mid-level guy you know i think this is the whole king energy the sonship thing of like i am god's son he made me very talented unconventionally perhaps so what does victory look like what does glory look like for me we have to have an image of what our success looks like what does success look like for me in my domain what does glory look like for me in my domain you know as a king as a son of god and i think it's it's from that place when we can touch the glory we can taste it you know, that we can start living to the glory of God, living fearlessly, you know, by humility and fear of the Lord, our riches and honor in life. And it's like, don't fear men, don't fear women, don't fear approval, don't fear death, fear the Lord. Rob, really appreciate defining domain. Uh, we also need to hold each other to standards, regardless of our domain, fitness, mental clarity, etc. Yeah, you know, honor is transferable amongst, uh, across domains. You know, you look at Donald crushing in the economy domain, then he st steps out into media and does The Apprentice and all that stuff. And then he steps, his his honor just transfers. You know, he doesn't start at the bottom of the media thing. He starts where he was in, in economy. And then he doesn't start at the bottom of the governance chain. He started from where he was uh, in media. You know, and it's the same for us. You know, honor transfers across domains. And so it's a, it's a thing to keep each other, hold each other to high standards, to high uh, productivity, production of our gift, high contribution of our gift uh, to the great men in our tribe. You know, this, this thing of, of, yeah, just understanding that it's like we're, we're not living for ourselves anymore. 
You know, we're, we're living for, for the, the generations ahead. We're living for the generations past. You know, it's a glorious thing. Righty, brothers. Love you lots. Hope uh, you have a great evening's slumber. And we'll see you tomorrow at 4 o'clock. May the Lord bless you.